Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're so excited to have in our studio Mr. Mike Shannon, the founder and CEO of Backpack Books, as our in-studio guest and the survivor of the Shark Tank. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Darrell. Thanks for having me on. Good. I appreciate you coming on to talk about your thoughts and insights as a young leader about and talk about leadership, but also to share with folks about that very exciting experience you had this past March on Shark Tank. So, Mike, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, could you give us a little bit about your background, education, career, and your recent experience? Sure. So, uh, I guess before um, co-founding Packback with uh, a few friends, I was a, a student at Illinois State University. We actually started the company when I was a senior. Um, but, yeah, a, a little you know, back history, uh, when our team actually got together, we became friends after founding a business fraternity on our campus. Um, when I was a junior, I joined this group. Uh, it really just kind of served to bring a lot of extracurricular, you know, business-related activity. We'd bring in professional speakers and have case competitions and whatnot. And um, a, a few friends and I, you know, really kind of got involved in building up this group. Um, my my co-founder, Casey was president at the time when I, I met him, uh, and then I joined very early on in, in the following year I was president. So we had, you know, some leadership experience in uh, actually, you know, having an organization, even though it was a student group. Uh, it was very similar, kind of a blueprint for what we would go on to do with, um, with Packback. Uh, so that, that was a big experience. I kind of just worked a lot of uh, side jobs before that. I'm from... Uh, town called Elmhurst, Illinois. I uh, went to Illinois State University, which is about two hours south of Chicago. Uh, one thing interesting that I, I used to do was um, during the weekends uh, throughout college and, you know, starting my senior year in high school, I would actually drive up to uh, Chicago, and I was a ball boy for the Chicago Bulls. So I had some involvement in, in the sports industry as well, and that was pretty cool and kind of came full circle on, uh, on Shark Tank uh, with, with Mark Cuban, so that was kind of funny as well. How did Mark feel about you being a ball boy for the competition? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It, it came up uh, while we were in there, although it didn't air. There was a game about a year before uh, we were on Shark Tank that I was working. You know, I was helping out in the Mavericks locker room. And Mark, you know, he travels with the team. He's incredibly hands-on. And he got off the team bus, was in the, the locker room uh, with the guys, and I'm standing in there. And I'm thinking, you know, Packback is very early on at this point. And I'm thinking, I, I need to, I got to find a time. I got to pitch Mark Cuban. And I, I didn't find that opportunity before the game. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll get him afterwards. And the Bulls, you know, mind you, didn't have Derrick Rose. And they came out of nowhere and, and beat the Mavs by about 30 points. And, um, and then Mark was, was not too happy and he was out of there right away. And so that was uh, kind of a, a funny moment in, uh, in Shark Tank that, that didn't air. But, uh, yeah, we had some fun with it. Wow, that's great. That's great. You know, we're going to jump into the Shark Tank. But first, let's talk about uh, Packpack Books. Exactly what is Packpack Books? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, so Packback is a company that, uh, that my, my co-founders and I started really after noticing that as college students, you know, you kind of go to class within the first few weeks, you have to make a fast judgment call on whether or not to purchase the required book for a course. 
Uh, nowadays, the book, you know, may be used as a reference point um, and kind of barely touched by the professor, or it may be used on an everyday or every week basis, but you don't have a lot of time to, to really understand that professor's teaching style. And so students, they're kind of in this position of either jumping to buy a used book to try to save money right away or hold off on buying anything. And then, you know, textbook publishers lose a, a ton of revenue off of the secondary market. So pack back is kind of our answer to that problem where we allow students to uh, rent digital textbooks by the day, uh, fill out each individual professor. They can rent as they go, as they have their first homework or quiz. Um, and as they kind of fill out the individual professor, any money spent on daily digital rentals can be converted um, at a direct discount to a semester-long or year-long extension of that same title. So it's kind of a pay-as-you-go model for digital textbooks uh, that really allows students to make transparent, smart decisions and allows publishers to, uh, to recapture revenue otherwise lost to the secondary market. And I know it's, I know it's early days, but what have, you, what have you experienced thus far in regards to this model being a win-win for the publishers? So, um, you know, in, in the early pilots that we've launched thus far, you know, that really was the, the big point that we had to prove was the revenue implication is, in fact, positive uh, for publishers. You know, this is a totally new model. There were certainly some questions around it. And so, um, you know, the, the primary pilot that, that we ran, we surveyed um, students across 21 courses, so the 680 students, 681. And what we had to do was look at, you know, what is the revenue implication for publishers? And, and probably more importantly, what is the digital adoption of students? So right now in higher ed, there's about an 8% digital adoption rate. Um, anyways, in our pilot, we saw that uh, revenue had actually increased about 58% for publishers uh, with the introduction of packback because students were coming uh, from the used book market. So we would ask students, if, if not for packback, where would you have gotten your books? And it was, you know, 82% would have gone to the used market. 10% would not have purchased anything at all, or 12% wouldn't have purchased anything at all. Um, and, and with the affordable alternative of packback, students were opting to try a digital textbook, which is very important because there's such a low adoption rate. And ultimately, you know, that revenue then gets kicked back to publishers, which creates a really the healthier ecosystem, I think, um, for the market in general where, you know, these publishers and learning companies are truly investing a lot of money into these next generation adaptive technologies that are going to improve learning. But it's very tough if, you know, a lot of the core revenue off of books is being lost. That is excellent. That is excellent. And how many people are on your team? Uh, right now we have eight full-time. Uh, and then we have four uh, very hands-on uh, college interns that are in the office every week and the addition of uh, 200 campus ambassadors across uh, 70 universities nationwide. So it, it, it's really a big universe, um, but eight full-time employees right now. That's excellent. That is excellent. And so your business hypothesis is that instead of having to, to buy a book that might cost, let's say, $150, uh, the student can rent it precisely for the section that they, that, that they need, which means that you have an agreement with the publisher that the student has the, the, I guess, the copyright to use that material in that limited basis. Correct. 
so our, our daily rentals um, are typically in the range of three to five dollars per day, uh, and then can be converted to whatever the, the publisher listed uh, semester-long digital price would be. And um, you're right, we, we have direct uh, partnerships uh, with, right now we're working with about 10 uh, publishers and learning companies, and uh, that's pretty much expanding month over month. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, what, for that rental fee uh, that the student would pay, how much of the book are they able to access? Is it a portion of it? Is it all of it? Are they able to download the entire book? I, I know they're probably not, but I, I just I just have mm -hmm. to ask for my publishing friends. Sure, sure. Um, so the student has access to that entire book. Now they cannot download um, or copy paste any of it. So it's it's browser based. We have you know some pretty tight security on our reader. Uh, so it truly is you know a study session. And now the reason you know we we didn't want to limit down to the the chapter or a given section is you know really understanding the student uh, study habits. They're typically browsing through a few different chapters, referencing different sections in the book to prepare for an exam. And so we wanted to make sure that they had you know a fully um, fully accessible uh, total information when they they need to prepare for that exam. Uh, you know, even if they don't necessarily buy the entire book. Mm -hmm. So you you pretty much feel that this student community, uh, which is really a fast serve community, they're not going to go through the trouble of doing screen saves and and then printing out pages of books. Um, no, so we actually we do have um, you know security measures in place to prevent that. Oh, but wow. uh, you know, also we, much to your point, I mean, these are students that are preparing for an exam, you know, really focused on studying. If you look at really any, you know, digital media out there, um, there are, you know, people kind of black hat hackers that are, are trying to, to hack into any type of content. But our user base, you know, they're really using Packback as a tool to study. And so we don't, we don't see, you know, we, we haven't seen really any issues with that. And um, from what you've seen so far, what are the popular subjects that are getting the most attention in this new model? You know, we get asked that question very frequently, and it, it's truly not a matter of the subject. Um, it, it's very much dependent on the individual professor. So you have a, a range of different professors with different uh, actual teaching behaviors, and you know, one in let's say one history professor may be utilizing 10 to 15 different resources to put out the information for their course. And in that case, the textbook may be used as more of a reference point. Now you may have another professor uh, teaching that same history class that uses that textbook as really the sole and core resource for the course. In that case, we're going to see a student, you know, converting to the semester-long or year-long rental because they're truly using that book on an everyday or every week basis. And so it's not um, not quite a matter of, of the subject, uh, but more on a basis of what is that professor's style. Okay. And uh, are you currently working with any of the copyright services like Copyright Clearance Center or CIPIX in, in partnerships towards helping folks get access to uh, this, this wonderful tool that you have? Um, you know, I've, I've met with the, the, the few folks from CIPICS, and I, I think they're great, and I actually also Copyright Clearance Center. Um, you know, right now we, we have direct agreements uh, with our publishing partners. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, I'd say we're certainly friendly with 
um, anybody working with you know copyright clearance. But um, you know currently the way our our business partnerships work out, we go directly to the content providers. You know, um, s switching gears to Shark Tank, one of the famous lines I, I like that uh, Damon John says is, "Make it matter it and uh, make it master it and then matter it." So right now you're making it. When do you feel that you'll have the type of scale to know that the market has, uh, you feel it's the tipping point for your business? Sure. Well, if you look at, you know, kind of our, our growth trajectory and um, kind of the, the process and getting off the ground, it, it really is a process to build out the full digital catalog. You know, you have to go through, um, you know, just, just the, the typical process of, um, you know, getting to the, the distribution agreements with content providers. And so that it kind of inherently sort of limits your ability to scale out typically. What we've done is um, actually evolved our service a little bit where if we don't have the rights uh, to a digital book, you know, but we still have students coming to pack back and, and a great demand on the, the actual consumer front, we wanted to continue to engage with those students. And so we have a price comparison offering where we will still show a student where they can get the best value, um, best price to buy the book and the best value to actually sell their book online. And that has really allowed us to have more of an all-encompassing offering to show students, you know, full transparency and affordable options. And we've grown our, our user base to over 80,000 students. Um, we have about, like I said, 200 campus ambassadors. And we've really started to see a lot of transactions um, occurring on Packback. Now, you know, it's still a matter of, of growing the digital catalog so that it's the pure model of, you know, reverting revenue back to, to publishers as opposed to, you know, going to the used book market. But I think we've, you know, kind of figured out a way, uh, which has been very positive for us to scale that user base. And now it's a matter of, you know, what are we offering a student rather, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a price comparison or a daily digital rental. Obviously, digital is, is better for us and for publishers. But I think we have started to, to see that um, actual growth on the, on the user scale. You know, I really want to applaud what you're doing because you're being very open and very free by, by showing and, and, and giving folks additional information. You're saying to them, hey, we might not be the best option for you or we may be the best option for you and we're going to make it easy for you. So I applaud you for that. That is very forward thinking and that's something that is refreshing in today's time in regards to people trying to have closed environments versus open environments. Sure. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, and you know, obviously we started as college students, so we knew this at a very you know, visceral level, but you cannot underestimate the savviness of, of a college student today. They are going to find the best value out there, and we would rather them find it through Packback and to be able to engage with and develop that relationship because you know, these students are, are certainly not naive, at least after first semester freshman year. That is, that is awesome. Um, before we jump in the blueprint, I mean, excuse me, before we jump into the Shark Tank, um, you had mentioned a blueprint that you had created in your business club. Can you share with us some of the key components of that blueprint that, you're, that, you're, that you are utilizing today? Sure. Well, you know, I think a lot of different things. You know, when you're trying to start an organization, whether that's a nonprofit, a for-profit startup company, or a student group, 
Uh, it's really a matter of gathering a group of people around one vision and one goal. And so with, with our business fraternity, it was uh, Alpha Kappa Psi, we had a goal of you know, providing more resources to the students at Illinois State University to kind of expand their horizons um, with a focus on business. And so uh, let's see, a few of the things. Um, when I started off before I was acting president, I was what they called professional chair. My role was to reach out to professional individuals, uh, the senior executives at major companies, entrepreneurs, um, a lot of different people, and try to get them to come down to our campus and actually speak with, um, with our organization. And so if you look at today, I, I kind of got over some of the early trepidation that a student may have of reaching out to a you know, clearly more accomplished, um, you know, in a business sense, individual. And, you know, when we started PackBack, it was kind of the same thing. We started reaching out to accomplished entrepreneurs, um, leaders in Chicago, a lot of them that ended up being angel investors in PackBack. Uh, on the business development front with publishers, uh, this is kind of like our now famous story, but we cold called uh, the president of McGraw-Hill Higher Education, Brian Kibbe, and actually uh, used our business fraternity as an audience to, you know, give him kind of a, a university-wide speaking event uh, to come down to our campus. And that's what, you know, really allowed us to, uh, to start a relationship, you know, in the publishing industry. And he kind of advised us through uh, some of the challenges we were facing. And so um, that, first and foremost, was a, a big thing, just learning how to, you know, reach out to and, and engage with um, outside professionals. And then if you look at internally, um, any, anything as far as, you know, once you grow an organization and we went from 20 people to 30 to, to 50 to 80 and kind of kept it around 80, you look at, all right, well, there's always kind of a, an 80-20 rule that you sort of want to avoid. So you don't necessarily want 80% of your productivity coming from 20% of the people if you have a smaller organization. You want everybody very productive. And so I think you learn a lot about, you know, how do you uh, motivate and continue to move an organization as a unit and not be kind of individual scattered pieces, one that may be more productive than the next. Um, so, you know, it, it was a lot of different things, but ultimately uh, I think organizing people around one goal is the biggest thing. Excellent, excellent. So let's talk about Shark Tank. How did that all come about? Yeah, Shark Tank was a lot of fun. Um, so it all came about, we were actually approached by um, one of their – their uh, casting recruiters, and you know, we our story I think resonated very strongly. So first and foremost, right, they're they're looking to make um, you know attractive television, and you know our story of being a, a college student-founded company, the value proposition uh, resonating pretty strongly with a major portion of their um, viewing audience being college students. I can remember when the the first actual. Um, uh, producer called us that, you know, and said that we were in kind of the final pool of applicants. She called us and said, you know, the reason I picked you guys out was I, I loved the energy in your video, but, but, you know, above all, I needed this in college. And so it was funny. She was about 10 years out of school, and what we were doing resonated very, very strongly with, um, with Katie, our producer. And so I, I think we kind of went through this process of getting narrowed down from the 30,000 or so applicants. Uh, then you get shipped out or <laughs> flown out to, to L.A. To, to actually film, and you go through a few other kind of tryouts before you get onto the actual uh, you know, Shark Tank platform. And it, it, once you're on there, it's kind of all business. So 
they were very straightforward, all you know, nice individuals. We we were in there for about an hour, uh, really just having an educated conversation about uh, the market and, and what our business could do. And ultimately, you know, Mark Cuban was the guy that we we truly wanted to do a deal with, and um, you know, he he understood and got on board with the vision. And so. T- you know, let's give us a little bit of behind the scenes. What happens after Mark Cuban goes, okay, deal, and you guys go, great, we, you know, we accept it. What happens after that? Because there, there are a number of steps after that until the deal is actually finalized, correct? Um, there, there are. I mean, there's a, a phase of diligence on both ends. So, you know, as with, with any deal, I mean, Shark Tank's kind of a different scenario because you have this, you know, limited period of time and you either come to a deal or no deal. But even after that, um, you know, I, I think on, on both ends, certainly the investor, in our case, Mark Cuban, uh, he starts doing his due diligence, looking into, you know, are we uh, being truthful about, you know, every, everything that we've said as regards to our progress, um, looks a little bit further into the market, uh, kind of validates, you know, any, you, know, you can call it like a, any theories that we we're talking about on the show, just sort of validates that it's all true. And then on our end, you know, you look into what's the lasting relationship going to be with any investor. Um, you're, you're selling, you know, a stake in your company, and so you certainly want to make sure that there's going to be a symbiotic relationship there. And uh, so that, that, you know, took a few months, and ultimately we were, were all on the same page and wanted to move forward building up Packback. And did the structure of the deal pretty much stay the same as what was presented on uh, TV? Yeah, it was the same deal. You know, you just kind of work out the legalese behind it. Mm-hmm. And now, from what I understand, uh, you've actually, since that uh, initial deal, you have actually, uh, Mark and a few others, have signed up to invest more into Peckback. Um, so we would, so Mark is kind of one of a group of angel investors that we have. So we actually raised a, a total of $1.5 million in, in seed capital with, um, you know, Mark's investment on Shark Tank being part of that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're incredibly lucky. Um, I don't know if I want to call it lucky, but grateful to have just a, a supporting cast behind us of a lot of, you know, accomplished entrepreneurs and successful business people that have sort of been there, have experience in the industry, and have really, you know, given us some guidance in, in the building process. So we have just an incredible supporting cast behind us um, in addition to Mark Cuban. That is excellent. And what is it like to work with uh, Mark? Well, he's very down to earth. Um, he's, he's practical and straightforward. Uh, you, you know, you wouldn't uh, get any sense that he's this, you know, TV celebrity billionaire uh, just sitting down and, and talking with him. He's, he's very down to earth. Um, I think has a, a very good understanding of what's happening uh, on college campuses today. He's involved in a few other education technology companies, and he's, he's not afraid to kind of get his hands dirty with us. He's been, you know, pretty involved on a, a few different fronts. And uh, above all, I think what's most impressive on our front was just how responsive he's always been. You know, we send him an email, and, and he's always responding, typically within the hour. Um, so, yeah, he's been a, a great partner, and, you know, we're, we're definitely happy to keep developing it. That is awesome. That is, that is really awesome. And, and, Mike, you are a very young man. You have a, a, a great maturity about yourself. And when did you first see yourself being in this type of leadership role? Um, you know, I, I always worked 
a lot of odd jobs. I, when I was in high school, I worked at a, a steel drum plant uh, in between football practices. Uh, then when I was in college, I used to work on like these boat tours in Chicago and I would clean out engine rooms and do all kinds of stuff. And I always took every extra shift and, and tried to work um, as much as possible. And I would end up in, in management roles, um, you know, even in, in kind of smaller scenarios. But I always kind of found myself in these management roles uh, where I was typically the youngest. And so you kind of uh, just get accustomed to it and you realize that at the end of the day, it's you know, people I think are generally um, on kind of an equal intelligence level. I mean, yeah, you have kind of a difference in universities and whatnot, but I think hard work is the number one factor. And so, you know, I just kind of came to the, the realization that if you work extremely hard, um, there are leadership roles to be had. Then I started reading books about, you know, other entrepreneurs and um, people like one of the early ones I read was Sam Walton's autobiography. And that tended to inspire me. And, again, the, the one uniform theme was just hard work. So I, I think, I don't know, maybe around uh, later days of high school, I started thinking there was a, a lot of opportunity out there if, if you look for it. That is awesome. And so from your perspective, what do you consider to be the key traits of a leader? Um, there's a lot of different theories out there. I, I think um, – you know, empathy and, and total dedication, if I come up with something right here. Uh, so empathy meaning you, you end up working with a diverse group of individuals. Everybody has, um, I think, unique, uh, different motivating factors. And when you're, you're looking to, like I said, get, you know, a collection of, of individuals to work toward one uniform goal and mission, you really have to have empathy and be able to understand, you know, okay, what is this individual going through? How do they reach their goals? Are we making sure that this organization is putting them in position to achieve, you know, what they personally want to? Um, and then just complete uh, dedication and, and kind of tenacity on working hard. You know, you, you really have to set an example. You have to, I think, really be there first and leave last um, because you're, you're kind of trying to push the ball forward. and there's no, there's no outside engine, uh, certainly being an entrepreneur. You, you really do have to, to keep the wheels turning. So, um, yeah, I think uh, empathy and tenacity are my, my two big things. Excellent. And how would you describe your particular style? If I was talking to one of your teammates, they would say, oh, this is Mike's style. What would that be? Oh, I, I'm probably just very open. I mean, um, you know, we have a lot of fun with our team at Packback. We, we, you know, joke around and try to have fun. Um, so, you know, everybody kind of knows what their responsibilities are and, and what we all collectively need to do to, to get the job done. Uh, but as far as style, I mean, I, I just like to, to listen a lot, you know, to, to individuals, really hear the expertise that each individual has. Um, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you try to bring a lot of people onto the team that are, you know, smarter than you. So I, I try to learn as much as I can from uh, the amazing individuals around me. And so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what they'd say, but hopefully that uh, I'm uh, pretty open and, you know, listen and just try to, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page. That is excellent. That is excellent. You know, believe it or not, we are almost at the end of our time. But I, I do want to see if there's anything that you would like to share with the audience in regards to a quote or a book? I mean, you've already mentioned Sam Walton's book. 
Um, but what parting advice would you give young entrepreneurs like yourself who are trying to get to where you are? Well, I, I've said this a lot. We, you know, as, as I mentioned, we work with a lot of college students. And we initially won a business plan competition uh, to get Packback started. We won first place, and it was judged by a few venture capitalists. And this was three years ago. We were college students, and part of the feedback was, hey, guys, this is a great idea. We like the model. Um, but unfortunately, because you guys are college students, you're probably not going to be able to do you know, X, Y, Z. And we found that because we were so young and ambitious that a lot of doors opened up that maybe otherwise wouldn't have, um, you know, from publishers that were just interested in kind of hearing what we had to say to accomplished entrepreneurs and business professionals that said, you know, you kind of remind me of myself. So, yeah, I'll take a meeting with you. And then we were able to open that door, develop the relationship, and that turned into actual, you know, business investors or partnerships. So my, my advice is, you know, look at, at any scenario you have a, a, a uh, position of leverage, and even if you're a college student, you know that's there's a big position of leverage, and that doors will open. You know, when you're older and, and you have more, you know, I don't know, traction under your feet, you have a different level of, of leverage. But there's always, you know, at least some angle to take. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I always try to emphasize. And um, it, you know, one last party thing is, is the, the college students in the audience. We are actively uh, bringing on, you know, more college students to be ambassadors and pack back. Uh, a lot of our students are current or aspiring entrepreneurs. We have kind of a whole program around like meeting investors and team members, uh, more than just kind of talking about you know the core That's service. Cool. So uh, cool. I definitely uh, encourage anybody to go on packbackbooks.com uh, and, and try to get involved as a college student. Uh, we're currently interviewing right now, so okay. definitely <laughs> in, in encouraging anybody to get involved. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately we are out of time, but Mike, I want to thank you for coming on the program. Mike Shannon, founder and CEO of Packback Books, is our in-studio guest. Thanks Thank so much. Take yep. care. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.